0: following is a teaching message from shore community church for more information on shore for our teaching resources visit www.shore.org.nz this is a magnum talking about prayer is kind of like talking about ice cream how satisfying is this for you Is this helpful? Are you enjoying this? Okay. We have some really healthy people here in the crowd. I hope you'll just keep quiet. Nutritionists and stuff, because I don't want you to dissect this. I don't want you to analyze this. I don't want you to, to study it. I just want to enjoy it. I just want to experience it. So I am. Talking about prayer is like talking about ice cream. Or maybe talking about surfing. I wouldn't know. I don't do that much. It's not the same thing to talk about something as it is to do the thing or to enjoy the thing. And prayer is one of those kinds of things. Some people have described it as fuzzy. Fuzzy. You know, it's not something you can put in a box. It's not something you can just do a chart. You know, there's no formula. Those of you who have just celebrated Valentine's Day, some of us don't. (laughs) But those of you who did, you know, you don't analyze the love. You don't analyze the relationship so much. You're just in it. You just experience it. And sometimes here in the church, sometimes in our discipling, which is my role, one of my roles here in the church, we just tell people, you know, pray. Go on, go home and pray. Read your Bible and pray. They nod, and they go away, and they're thinking, I, 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 I don't know how. Or they pray the way other people have prayed. And that doesn't necessarily fit them. So, it's good to discuss it. It's good to analyze it. But the best thing is just to carve out space at some point in time in our hearts, in our time, in our attention, and just do it. No, I'm not advertising for any shoe companies today, but we just have to do it sometimes. Now, you may have been frustrated at some time in the past with your efforts around prayer. You know, and that makes total sense, because sometimes we don't equip people well. I, too, have been frustrated. I am not up here as an expert by any stretch. If I were, that would be me up here as a hypocrite, <laughs> okay? I'm up here as a practitioner. I'm up here as somebody who has prayed, who has prayed well, who's gotten frustrated with it, who's felt like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling in a room with a much lower ceiling, so the... the, the the rebound was a lot worse and, and painful, and, and it was frustrating. I'm, I'm just a practitioner, but, but because of my role in the church and in guiding new Christians to a sweet, I'm tasting sweet, that's why that word came up. to a sweet and abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. I've tried to read up a little bit on it. I've tried to find some ways that might be helpful. So today, Is not in any way going to be me mostly talking at you. We're going to try a few things. Are you uncomfortable already when I say that? Because you just came to sit, didn't you? We're going to try a few things, but they're not going to be things that will make you uncomfortable. All right? We're going to try a few different things, and so there'll be a time when I'll ask a question and then I'll pause. Please try to engage with that and see if it's of any benefit to you. It may not be. It may be that everything I say today, you already know, and um, you'll just go away mad because you didn't get any ice cream. And that's okay too. Um, but, but if you've been frustrated by your efforts thus far, let me encourage you to keep trying and to practice, All right? There are golfers here who were not good their first time out. There are golfers here who are still not good, and they've spent a lot of money trying to get good, okay? <laughs> some things just require a lot of practice, and so we're going to go through some of that today in the who and the Why? and the how, but my ice cream is down there melting, enough about ice cream, I wanted today, because I like art, and I like to go to art galleries, and things, I I think in terms of visuals, and so today, I wanted to demonstrate visually, the idea of framing, and how we frame things, um, can often affect how we see things, now, this is me doing it all the hard, complicated, tricky way, right, this is Jeremy doing it the easy way, Jeremy's much smarter than I am. He can give lots of these away, and he's talking about seeing is believing. Is that right? Is that your theme? Seeing is believing. But what did you say, Jeremy? You said something about we're not sure that they've all actually seen him accurately or, you know, been informed in the way they see God well. So sometimes we need to reframe that because how we frame a thing determines or affects or influences how we see it right? Some of you have come to faith here at Shore Community Church. Your faith and your framing of things have been, it's been quite a lot through, through this place. Some of us, I was a baby Methodist. You know, some of you were baby Dutch reforms. You know, some of you were baby Catholic. You know, you, you've been, your, your faith and your ideas of God have been framed through different lenses, and those things are not necessarily bad, But just like with all prescriptions, there comes a time when you need to check and see if it's still accurate and see if you're framing God biblically accurately because how we frame God determines how we relate with him. How we frame him determines how we see him and what we'll think about him and how we talk. So I went to factory frames this week and they were very very easy to get along with, they were lovely and nice, right? I went in and I said, I I have this image, I need it to be framed well, and I need it to be framed badly. And the lady kind of struggled with the badly, but she finally got there in the end. If you have an image, and you're trying to frame it, you'll look at the colors in it, and you'll know that if you put on a certain kind of frame, certain colors will pop out or they won't, right? So that's boring, isn't it? It's okay, it's adequate, but kind of boring. Can you see that okay? Yeah? Yeah? How about this one? Oh, some of even Amanda is even going, ooh. (laughs) And Amanda likes color. But this, this wouldn't be my first choice, would it yours? It affects the framing, affects how you see the image. And so then if we go back to the white, is that better? Yeah? What about this one? Is that any better? You know, you may or may not like it, it may or may not be your choice, but you can see that the framing brings out something in the image. All of that just to illustrate that we need to frame God well, so that we'll see him well, so that then we'll respond to him well. When I first started thinking about how I would illustrate the who part of this, all I could think of was, who are you talking to, Willis? Willis? I have no idea the movie that I just potentially endorsed because I'm not really a movie buff, so please don't, don't think that I actually saw the movie. I've just heard that repeated so many times. Who are you talking to? How many times did I hear my mother say that to me? Because my tone of voice might not have been quite right. We have to ask that question, who are we talking to? To whom are we talking, speaking? To who, with whom are we in conversation? Because that affects how we pray. So how have you framed God? Or how has he been framed for you? And you need to revisit that so, that so that you're approaching him rightly. All of the songs we've sung so far this morning, beautiful and amazing, all of the songs said that we've been redeemed, we are forgiven, we are free. And yet how many times do some of us approach God feeling guilty? And we crawl up there like to the throne and, and we approach him as if we're guilty and as if he's angry with us and as if he's this faceless, nameless, angry, omni-being somewhere and we grovel up to the feet of God. And yet we just sang songs that were right up here. We sang them that said we're free. Should we not approach him as free and as grateful and as forgiven and as welcomed how we frame it, how we perceive him, determines quite a lot. Whether he is waiting for us with his arms open or with his arms crossed and grumpy and ready to get us. Right? What if he is not sitting on his throne at all? What if there is no throne? I mean, we read about it in scripture, and I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a biblical kind of girl, so I'm not going against that. But what if we have framed God... Or he's been framed for us as somebody so high and mighty that he's inaccessible. What if, and Reuben preached on this a couple years ago, get those messages off off the internet or order them, the Trinity and when we pray that we can talk to God the Father and we can talk to Jesus and we can talk to the Holy Spirit. What if instead of God being high and mighty on a throne, he is seated with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They're seated together on the same level just sitting around having a conversation. And there's actually a fourth chair there. And we are welcome to sit in that chair. And we are welcome to converse with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit sitting around having a conversation. Is that how you frame him? Is that how you think? Of... It's not often how I do. But to converse with God. So imagine the four chairs facing each other. And you're welcome amongst them. And you belong there because of the blood of Jesus. He looks at you and he doesn't see your sin and he doesn't see your guilt. He sees the beautiful you he created in his own image. Forgiven, his child, blessed and redeemed. And he wants you to be in his presence. A, a better illustration of that today was we were sitting over here before the service. The, the worship team and, and Reuben and I. and We were sitting over here and we were praying. Well, you know, prayer is a serious thing, and when you're talking to God, you know, you ought to pay attention, and it ought to be serious, right? But guess what happened? Shelly arrived with the kids, and Emily immediately started looking for Daddy. It was. It brought tears to my eyes, and it is sort of now, so watch out. And Emily came running right across here, and she went right over there, and she found Daddy. And did Ryan say, go find your mother? Go talk to your mother. I'm busy. I'm praying. Uh-uh. His arm went out and brought her in. And it was gorgeous. It was beautiful, Ryan, You got it right that time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you cry. What do you think were the first record- recorded prayers in the-, in the Bible? What do you think... Old Testament, early on, what do you think were the first recorded prayers? Did somebody teach them that? Did somebody have to teach those people how to talk with God? No. It's the natural cry of the heart from those of us who are created in his image to want to talk to him. Maybe, maybe it was Adam and Eve in the garden. And they were walking around. From what we read, they were naked. And they were talking to God wandering around in the garden, having conversation, much as you do in your relationships. Isn't that simple? Isn't that sweet? Oh, Eleanor's suggesting that we don't walk around naked in our relationships so much talking to people. She's laughing up here in the front row. But just that, that simplicity and that, that beauty of those relationships. And yet we sometimes think that we've got to read a book on prayer and we've got to have these steps and we've got to get it right. And if our theology's wrong, God's going to be mad at us and he's going to reject that prayer and that's just no good now, is it? And we make it too hard. And maybe that's sometimes why we get frustrated. Maybe we need to frame, reframe it. Maybe we need to rethink it a little bit. I don't know. Why do we pray? Why do you pray? Um, we talked about this in Faith Lift this last year and we did this big chart up on the wall. We said, why pray? And we went through, and people put out all the the good and normal and right and appropriate answers to why we pray. One of the best ones is Jesus did, and if Jesus talked to his father, then I'm adopted. You know, I should talk to my father too. I I should want to. But two of my favorites from that particular Faith Lift series that we run usually each year, September-ish, October-ish. It's a safe rant. It's a safe rant. Have you ever thought it was okay to have a rant with God? Some of us have had a rant with God and then wondered if it was okay afterwards. <laughs> it's a safe rant. Somebody else, really techie, said it's a way to re-sync, to resync myself, to get everything synchronized, me and God. Oswald Chambers refers to that as too. He says the purpose of prayer is to get a hold of God, not of an answer not about the answer but it's about God. Joy Callie a New Zealand poet and writer and leader of retreats and things she says don't call me God I'll call you. Well I I don't mean it to be that way it's just that prayer tends to be on my terms when I've got the time and inclination and even then I do all the talking as though God didn't already know what was in my heart. Yes, I'm aware that conversation is a two-way business, but I guess it's easier for me to talk because, well, I've got a bit of a hearing problem and God's voice is so terribly quiet and that listening can be hard work. It means tuning into a huge silence in order to pick up a whisper or two. I'm not good with silences, she says. They make me feel disconnected. I want to shout down the line, Are you working? Is anyone there? I think I need some practice, still times, to sit with silence and feel comfortable in it so that I recognize the voice when it comes. And who knows? Maybe I'll discover one day that the best part of prayer is to let God do most of the talking. Why pray? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says, and find out what pleases the Lord. And find out what pleases the Lord. Do you ever laugh when you pray? Do you ever laugh? I know we cry. Some of us cry a lot when we pray. But do you ever laugh when you pray? I was driving up Max Welton today and I was praying, and somehow in the midst of me telling God how today should go, I just started laughing. And then a funny thing happened. The car in front of me, car pulled out, going up Max Welton in front of me, and on the license tag, on the rego on the back, it said, I'm Papa. I'm Papa. You know, it's just funny. It's just funny sometimes how in the midst of our everyday going around and praying as we go and praying when we're still and whatever, if we leave any room for that silence or any room at all for God to come into it, sometimes we chuckle or we laugh out loud. Or we cry. Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. Well, to be honest, I'm often more interested in what pleases me. And I tell God all about that. But when I sort out my relationship with God properly, and when I frame Him fairly and accurately and biblically, I pray well. I pray better. A dear and close relative of mine mostly prays when he's desperate. When he's ill and he's thought he was going to die a few times. When his kids are in trouble. When the money seems to be running out. He prays earnestly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Brokenness is one of those, this was what we call some of those times. And as I look around this room, I know that most if not all of us have experienced brokenness. And it's those times when we are most raw, when we are most real, when we are most authentic, when we don't even care about our theology, when we don't even care about whether we're wording things right, when we don't even care about, you know, the niceties of it, when we just lay it out there. It's beautiful, but it's a bittersweet place to be. And it's so very difficult to maintain that. It is so very difficult, so exhausting. I don't know that we want to maintain the brokenness, but we do want to maintain that sweet connection with the Lord. Why pray? The answer to that is in our relationship with God. It's at the core of how we answer that question. Why not pray? Why not? Why? Why, why do people sometimes not pray? Well, it's too hard. They're not sure if they're welcome, you know, to sit with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They're not sure if they belong. They're not sure if they'll be heard. They're not sure of God. Sometimes guilt keeps us from the presence of God, doesn't it? Like a little child, sometimes when we've done something wrong, rather than running to, we run away from. It's reasonable, but it's not very helpful. Do people pray because of lack of decision or lack of want to? Sometimes. Sometimes it's easier just to show up here on a Sunday morning, give God two or three hours, hope He's happy. He's not. We've got to stop fooling ourselves. He wants our hearts, not our sacrifice or our minimal observances. He wants our hearts are munted, wounded, weary, confused, distracted, divided, guarded hearts. And none of this is gonna make any more sense to you than me explaining eating ice cream until there's an authenticity and a transparency in your prayers. God's not satisfied with us just going through the motions and I don't think we are either. But if you look through a frame of guilt and of judgment, Prayer is not going to be appealing. Why would you want to go somewhere where you're going to be judged, where you're going to be convicted? It makes perfect sense. But if you look through a frame of grace, knowing that God frames you through the blood of Jesus Christ as a dearly beloved son or daughter, that's how he sees you. And just like Ryan, and even more consistently and even better than Ryan, even bigger than Ryan, when we run up anywhere near him, he just wants To draw us in. Because we are his beloved children. Some people pray as naturally as breathing. It was such a blessing and a privilege for me to be in the prayer group this morning with the worship team. Because basically they said everything in their prayers talking to God that I'm saying now talking to you. And I was thinking, I should just have them come up. And just a panel discussion kind of a thing. Some people pray naturally and beautifully. Others really struggle. And that's okay. But just keep struggling. Because it's worth it. And that's why I was asked to talk about it today as part of this series, because it's a habit or a practice that we can all learn. So please, this is a little advertisement. Grab one of those books that has been promoted. It's in the bulletin, The Hare and the Tortoise. There are different practices and different things all the way through there that will equip us. And it's a little book. It is not intimidating at all. Otherwise, on this little flyer, there are some resources on the bottom of this little flyer. There's some that are online. Some you might have to buy or get from the library or look up. Some we might have at the Hub. Just give it a go. Delve into it a little bit. But you know what? One size does not fit all. One size does not fit all. And I've seen people try to copy how other people pray. Oh, I want to pray like Jill, or I want to pray like, pray like Reuben, or I want to pray like Dawn, or, you know. No, no, no. One size does not fit all. You've got to try on a few. Okay. You've got to experience a few things and so we want to do that today we want to try a few different things because there's no formula that will ease your frustration or, or guilt it's a relationship it's not a combination lock with just the right code right but it's also more than popping in saying oh god the picnic tomorrow could we just have some nice weather you know as if you're popping in and out of a room with god yeah you know, is it wrong to pray for the weather no but sometimes that's all my prayers end up being in the course of a day Um, God, could that thing I just bought, could that end up in the next billing cycle, please? You know, I have that interview coming up or that oral exam coming up, you know. And it's not wrong to pray for any of those things. But if that's all there is, there's no relationship. We're treating God like a bellboy or Father Christmas. And that's childish and one-sided and not very satisfying for God at all. There was a song used to sing when I was a kid. This was one of the formative things in my faith, you know, just so don't laugh too much. But read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Do any of you know that song? Yeah, see, we we turned out okay knowing that song. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. I will not do the motions, but there's a certain amount of growing and shrinking that goes along with that. And those are good, but often we just tell people to do it. We don't tell them how. So, last week, Reuben demonstrated it beautifully. And even today in the service, it's been demonstrated. Pray with Scripture. Pray with Scripture. Use Scripture. Read a prayer that's in Jesus' prayers to the Gospels or Paul's or any of the prayers. in there. Read a prayer and then paraphrase it and pray it for your kids or your grandkids. Or those you love, or those you work with, or those you're concerned about, those in your life group. Read a prayer from Scripture and just pra- paraphrase it. It's, they're in there. Ephesians 3 12 through 19. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. What if you rephrase that into a prayer? Paul continues, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. That's how he's framed God. I pray that from his glorious and unlimited resources, he's still framing God, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Parents, grandparents, what if you prayed that for your children? Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. What if you prayed that for your kids? or for people you loved. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. What if you paraphrase that prayer and prayed it for your kids? You think that's a prayer God would be happy to hear? In your bulletin on this little list, did ever all of you get one of these? Look on there, please, and see where it has, um, to whom do you pray, and how do you frame him? And you'll see on there that there's a list of names of God. Can you see that? If you go online, you will find, whoo, if you go online, you will find lists of the names of God, hundreds of them. You can go in the Bible, you can find all kinds of lists of names of God. Or his character and his nature, his traits. I'm going to take just a minute. I'm going to be quiet. And I'd like for you to look through that list and pick out three or four names or characteristics of God in how you would like to reframe the God you're praying to right now at this stage in your life. Just choose three or four of those. I have prayer beads Where I've done this exercise and over time I've come up with 12 different characteristics or nature's attributes of God or names of God. And I've assigned each one to a bead and I know what each one of these beads stand for. And when I get full of myself or ahead of myself or too distracted or my heart gets divided and I think I'm sitting on the throne and I've usurped God's power especially... I grab this and I go somewhere where I can be a little bit quiet and maybe undisturbed and I just go through these and I remind myself who God is. In the course of doing that, I remind myself who I'm not. But I try to make it not about me, but about him. And I remind myself of who God is. I would love to provide beads for everybody. I know some of you guys wouldn't really appreciate that. So um, during morning tea time afterwards, we have craft sticks back there at the back with which you can stir your coffee and when you come on the retreats that I, that I help to lead with the church, we do the craft sticks. And you can just write these attributes of God on the craft sticks. So take home six or eight or ten or a big box of them back there. Take home some. Write on there the things you need to be reminded about God. Put a little rubber band around it maybe and just tuck it in that cup holder in the car. Drop it in your pocket, in your computer bag. Put it in your desk drawer, beside your bed, wherever is appropriate. And when you need to reframe your God and be reminded as to who he is, pull these out and say, God, you're not the God of my childhood. You're not the angry God that people told me about. You are this God. And this is the God to whom I will pray because I know you're attentive and you listen and you're waiting for me and I'm welcome and you got to reframe him sometimes. Elsewhere on here, um, well, no, it's not, on, it's not on the list exactly, but another question that I want to ask what do you call God when you pray? What do you call him? You know, talking to you guys, I'd say Mark or Eileen or Phil. What, when you talk to God when you're praying, what do you call him? I love that car I saw today. I'm Papa. Ah, I don't know if that fits for me. That's okay. That one size doesn't fit all. What do you call him? How can you reframe God So that even in the way you approach him and you call him, you don't make him more distant, but you bring him a little bit closer. What about creating a space for God in our home? We have a space for watching television. We have a space for eating, for washing, for sleeping. We have a space for everything else in our homes. What about creating a space in our homes for God? Might be a red chair just kind of tucked over there in the corner where you have a lovely outlook. And I know those of you with small children, you know, I may be carving out something you're thinking, yeah, right, you know, in 20 years. But there's got to be a way, there's got to be a time, there's got to be a place where you can carve out a space for God and dedicate that, not like an altar, not like a prayer room, don't remodel your house. But maybe you just need to have a favorite park. Or a favorite beach where you can stop on your way home or on your way to something. Just pull off. Take a deep breath. And just engage. And get the chaos out of your head. And just be with God in that beautiful space. Create a space for God. We do for everything else. What about posture? Any of you ever done the old laying out flat, abandoned, you know, to God? I've done that it was when I lived alone though because if you do that and you don't live alone you concern people but but the posture does matter sometimes so whether you're flat out or whether you're on your knees or whether you're standing with your arms raised or whether you're sitting comfortably in that chair that is kind of you in God's chair and you in God's corner maybe you're at the table and there's three other chairs around the table and you imagine them there with you whatever you have to do I've been in situations too Where I was having a good rant, and I was not happy with how things were going, and I was telling God in no uncertain terms, and my God is big enough for that, and He can handle that. He can handle my rawness, He can handle anything I throw at Him. And we see that in Psalms. We see that demonstrated in Psalms. They often start with torment and anguish and a problem, and there's a process, and sometimes there's something very meaningful that happens there in the middle. And then sometimes at the end there's a resolution or some sort of prayer, praise, even if there's no resolution of the issue. It's messy, and it's okay. It's a process. Right now with the uh, Olympics going on, we know that there's a difference between trying to do something and training to do something, right? Big difference. And prayer is one of those things that it doesn't hurt practicing a bit, right? Some of you who play beautiful instruments... I keep getting caught on this. Some of you who play beautiful instruments, you know, probably have heard the quote before. It's attributed to a couple of different pianists. If I miss one day of practice, I notice it. If I miss two days, the critics or my wife notice it. It's framed a couple different ways. If I miss three days, the audience notice it. And that's talking about playing the piano. I think the same thing would be true with tennis or with golf, maybe with painting, with prayer. And it doesn't mean that if we have had an interruption in our prayer lives that we're failures and we just should, you know, give it all up. No, you just got to get out there and reengage, re-sync, reconnect. Just pick up the racket again, pick up the golf club again, and just give it a go. The difference between prayer, though, and some of these other activities we do, this is about the eternal God and Father who desires our presence. So it's altogether different from all these other things. We are in a relationship with a God who is accessible, available, attentive, and eternal. And we can engage with him wherever, whenever, however we are. Prayer is like love, said Carlos Correto. Prayer is like love. Words pour out at first. Then we are more silent and can communicate in monosyllables. In difficulty, sometimes a gesture is enough, a word. Or nothing at all. Thus the time comes when words are not necessary. The soul converses with God with a single loving glance. Isn't that beautiful? Each one of us is different and where you stand in terms of God, in terms of artwork, in terms of the cross, where you stand and how you frame things determines what you see. So it's time to stop being religious and going through the motions. Showing up here on Sunday and hoping that's good enough for God. It's time to start showing up in His presence. Maybe here, but every day. It's time to frame God biblically and fairly and accurately. It's time to take your seat at the table and engage with the Father and the Spirit and the Son because you're invited there. You are welcome And scripture tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an experience that we can taste. Lord Jesus, thank you for for being with us in this place today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being obedient to your Father. Thank you, Father, for adopting us. Father, thank you that you look at us through the blood of Jesus Christ and you see us blameless, spotless, without blemish, Father, give us eyes to see you as you are, not as you might have been badly framed. Give us eyes to see you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.